0: Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph
1: Garman. Hey there boys and girls, welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday, okay, I get it, Mondays suck, I understand that, but turn that frown upside down, my friend, because you have The Ralph Report here to try to ease you through the first day of the week. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman, sitting across from the Batcave For me is your vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, how's it going? Big, big show today. Huge. A lot of stuff going on. We've got to cover, first of all, all the Super Bowl coverage. <laughs> it's a big Super <laughs> Yesterday Bowl Yesterday was Colton Pence's Super Bowl for his flag football team. Summer league. And his uh, his proud father will be here to recap <laughs> all that for us. Uh, also, we need to talk about some uh, Garmy business. We have the live stream coming up this week. We've got tickets going on sale for the first ever Live recording of the Ralph Report with a live studio audience. Couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, We've got some phone calls that were left on the (laughs) Ralph Report hotline. We've got emails. We've got new theme songs for new segments. We've got uh, Rob Benedict is our special celebrity guest this week. For those of you who are fans of the show Supernatural, you know Rob Benedict as God. He will be our guest all week long. What a fascinating guy this is. First of all, really great guy. Friend of mine. uh, Really, every time I'm hanging out with him, I always have a smile on my face. But I did not know his whole story until we talked this week. And uh, you'll be getting all of that this week. I've got another interview coming up later today with Ken Fuchs. Ken is one of the preeminent. Nope, that's not a word. (laughs) That's not a word at all. Preeminent? Preeminent. That's a word. That's a word. Preeminent... Uh, live television directors working today. And I always think live television directing is fascinating. The guy who says, cut to camera one, cut to camera two. The guy who's actually directing while you're watching. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane work. It's like super high-pressure showbiz work. Maybe the most high-pressure in any job in television. Yeah,
2: I've seen like them back behind the scenes of like Monday Night Football when they're doing it. I'm like, that's crazy. He's one of
1: those guys. That's crazy. But he started as one of those guys doing award shows and things right. like that. Then got to work with, and still is, the guy who directs all the episodes of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. He does Shark Tank. He does Family Feud with Ken, uh, not Ken, um, uh, Ken uh, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey. No, Harvey. No, Ken Harvey, not the Ken former Harvey.
2: linebacker for the Redskins. <laughs> I going to
1: say, that would be a bad host probably for that show. I don't know. Maybe he'd be great. He could be good. Um, anyway, interesting. If you're a TV fan or you're a show business person when it gets wants to get into behind-the-scenes stuff... That's a great interview. So a lot of good stuff going on today. But first and foremost, as I as I promised you, we're gonna get some coverage of yesterday's Super Bowl, and everybody's talking about it was huge. Big yesterday's bust. summer league flag football Super Bowl, NFL
2: Pasadena Play Sixty,
1: NFL Pasadena Play Sixty. So it is connected in yeah, a way with have the real, with the legit
2: real NFL like this season in the summer season they were the Rams. I think in spring season when they won the Super Bowl, they were the Broncos. Wow! So and then
1: yeah. so this uh, this was for the summer league championship, champion for the
2: junior division in NFL play six.
1: And your uh, your your poop crazed son <laughs> Colton Pence, who loves to poop in my house for some reason, He's very regular. Uh, was was playing he and
2: he, he got his first back to back Super Bowl championship. They, they they had the uh, oh they
1: won so hey you buried the lead back to back Super Bowl champions back to back Super Bowl champions. You should probably preface that by saying Sorry. and they won and they won the Super they won Bowl the spring
2: yesterday. league and they won this year. Summer league is a little oh, thank you very very big. Deal. You must have been so
1: proud to so be proud. there in the crowd watching this, your son win his second, his Super, Super, second Bowl Super Bowl in the same year.
2: But uh, it, it was a little weird because it wasn't it, the game didn't end very well.
1: Oh I don't, my I talked, goodness! I, did someone take a knee during the anthem? And, yeah. and did, did, did the president yeah. show up? We you should have. You know what? You're suspended from the summer <laughs> NFL Play Sixty League. You can't be. You can't play anymore.
2: We instructed all the kids to take knees. Um, no, it was. Uh, I remember. I mentioned a few weeks ago on the report about. Uh, we got into a we kind of got into a little tuffle with the other team
1: at one point. I remember there was a, a racial, so it was like thing a racial was tension going thing
2: going on, and we played that team today in the Super Bowl. Oh no, the same team? Yeah, the same team. Who? So are, there was some bad blood. It was some really really bad blood, and it. We went down. So let's okay. set the stage. Okay.
1: All right, let's not rush through this. Don't rush through it, set so we don't get anyone misinterpreting what we're talking no. about. But your team is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, multicultural. Very multicultural. Yes. So, you have kids from all different sorts of ethnicities yeah. on your team. Yeah. The team you were playing against that last time, we talked about this problem. They were primarily. Straight out of Sweden. I mean, they just were just. A bunch of
2: whiteies. As white as you can get.
1: And. There seemed to be some concern with how the officiating was going on. It was some
2: flag guarding, and flag football, where kids run and they put their arms down so you can't get to the flag, which is a penalty. Right, and it was football. not being
1: called, it on, wasn't being called on Whitey and as they, much as it was on your, uh, let's say, Tanner team. Yeah, it
2: wasn't so much with the officiating, but they weren't. The kids on that team were very. Or you could tell they're very well coached into flag guarding, to, to run with their arms oh, really low, like the white apparently. man does. He
1: cheats. He <laughs> exactly. cheats. He cheats his yeah, his exactly. fellow man. That's what they do. Yeah. Okay. And
2: so it got a little heated. we were like, hey, you're not calling the flag guard. I remember the I remember like, the story. Yes. And then our our whole sideline of parents got a little rowdy and like, hey, gotten really into it to the point where that coach and the other team was like, hey, look at our sideline, look how classy we're acting. You guys have no class. Which, Which
1: is a kind of a dog whistle thing. A little bit. A little bit. It's something that Trump might say on, at one of his rallies. And it got real... You know deep. what? We're classy with our boats and our summer homes. Look at them being all not classy <laughs> with their working class jobs <laughs> and their used cars. Nine to five cars. paychecks. Yes. And so... Uh, if I remember correctly, though, when when the shit went down, you sort of backed up. Yeah,
2: I pulled the Homer Simpson
1: into the bush. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was just, I'm not going to. All right, fair back enough. Back it up. So back now, up. flash forward to yesterday, you are playing that exact, same, exact team same team for the Super Bowl. A lot of bad blood still there. This is like a movie. It is. This is like the Bad News Bears, where you have to it come is. around again, and you face those same, same parents, public. those same people all over We again. played
2: them twice during regular season, and we split the series oh, during man. the regular season. They so beat This us literally was a lot of bad blood. And they're the Redskins, which was really hard for me to deal with. How do you cope? I don't, it was hard. Because every time I see them do well, I'm like, it's natural for me to go, yeah. But uh, we were the Rams. They're the Redskins. We're in the Super Bowl. Where were the Eagles, it's by the, the way? rubber are match. The Eagles, Eagles were the pro division. They won the Super Bowl the game before. Oh, all so, right. Just want yeah. to make sure that we're represented. Well, the right. Eagles are represented in the pro division, not okay. the junior division. sure. So uh, we're playing. The, we get ready to play the game. Game starts. Uh, we get on the field first. We drop four passes in a row and we're Whoa, all like oh we're tight no. we're coming out tight this isn't good yeah everybody's all wound up real wound up so the other team goes down we hold them to fourth down they throw like this hail mary and it's just a garbage touchdown on fourth down we go down 8 to nothing and we're just Come like, oh, on man are you serious you guys
1: to knock that shit down so
2: we start our sideline starts getting a little chippy <laughs> and then uh uh, we go down and then we 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 respond. We First of all, the well, they run. went
1: on fourth down. That's a big fuck you, well, to you. Well, you have to really. in flag football. Oh, there's no I don't pun- know anything about flag. There's football. There's no punting or there's kicking. There's no punting. No, it's oh, just okay. you four downs. You have four downs to get. Still, down. I think it was a big it fuck you. I, I I'm pulling out my weapon at this point. <laughs> so all right, so well, now you're the, already eight. You're eight down. Eight points
2: eight down. Eight points down. You get four downs to score. Four downs to get to midfield, and if you get to midfield. You get four more downs.
1: Got that's how. And your sidelines getting cranky because they didn't appreciate getting burned on that little bit.
2: And then we go down and we uh, we score really quickly. And We're like we answer. All right, we're back in it. Eight right, to six. We that's didn't get the we didn't get the two point conversion. Eight to six though. All right, uh, we hold them again. There's five seconds left in half before the half. Right, um, they run a play. It's fourth down. Turnover and doubts. We get the ball back. We call timeout with one second left. All right. The other team starts walking on the field thinking there was no time left. Oh, that was their mistake. And they walk off the field and we're like, no, we called a timeout. And they're like, no, you didn't. And we're like, yeah, we did. And then the referee's like, okay, we'll give them the timeout. So you have one, we have, you get the ball all the way back on the other end of the field with one second left. So you basically got one play before halftime. Right. They're all mad because they have to come back out on the field. We throw this crazy play. The kids run all over the field. He scores like an 85 yard touchdown. Scrambled eggs? Scrambled eggs all over the field. Eight, and we go up right before halftime, 14 to 8.
1: Oh, and they're I love this movie. And they're
2: pissed because the refs let us have that extra play because right. they didn't hear us call timeout or whatever. So it's getting really heated. So we have halftime. We go back, start the third quarter. They get the ball first. They're moving down the field. We get a pick six. No way. Right out of the gate on second down. So we're up now 21 to 8. Well, and it looks it's looking, good for the good guys. It's looking pretty good right now. We're like, okay, we're going good. So they get the ball back. Now they're on their now. They're, now we're on defense. They're driving down. Uh, our kid goes to pull a flag, and the other kid comes up behind him and sort of like pushes him, like shoves him down on the ground a little bit, and twists. And the kid gets his ankle twisted. Oh no! So he's on the ground. At this point, the guy's dad, who got hurt, he's a longshoreman. Oh boy, he looks like a longshoreman. Oh no! <laughs> Somebody you would not want to mess with. He's juggernaut without the metal helmet. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big this guy is He is huge Oh no He's on our team He starts to go out Look at his son He's like oh, That kid pushed my kid That kid pushed my kid the, Oh boy the, the coach that yelled out The classless thing Right 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 A few weeks ago He's like well, Why don't you shut up And get back on the sideline Oh
3: no At that point, At that
2: point Juggernaut starts running Towards that towards guy Towards that guy And everyone's like like Everyone wanted to get in front of him But at the same time like You don't want to step in front of a Mack oh, truck you just juggernaut kind of, like, motherfucker You kind of want to act Like you're going to step in front of the Mack truck and so he got up to the guy and he just shoved him. Just oh gave him a push Lord. right in the chest. And the guy goes flying back. At that point, all hell breaks loose. Like we're running out to get our guys. We finally get everybody off the field. Uh they had to eject that father. That father's on our The Longshoreman's gone. Juggernaut's oh my out of there. God. So Juggernaut's back in the parking lot. And then the other that coach from the other team comes over and starts pointing to other people on our sidelines who were talking trash during the game like he was talking trash too oh boy so now he's ratting out people just being all big pussy and then that guy he was trying to restrain himself and all of a sudden his wife goes flying by him Juggernaut's wife? no this was another guy's (laughs) wife this was another guy's wife and she was more like she was smaller than Juggernaut but twice four times as mean as Juggernaut she was going like it was going to be Jerry Springer it was really and so they finally got that restrained Everyone got to the sidelines. Uh, what point of the game is this now? This is like five minutes in the third quarter. We're oh, at twenty-one. There's plenty to of game there's left. Plenty of game left. That coach on the other team's like, we're done. We're out of here. No, he makes his he whole walks. team leave. He walked the game. We win by forfeit. Wow, what a pussy! What? A, but he wouldn't have done it. Had, had they been winning, he wouldn't have forfeited. Of course not. He only forfeited because we had like we had crushed them. Right, With and that so now six. he gets to
1: say, "Oh, you know, if we had kept playing the game, we probably yeah. would have come back." Because the, the guy
2: that got the guy that got that shoved got ejected. He was gone, All and right. we were standing back on the sidelines, and we let's were ready play, to play. Get, let's play. And ball. he came back out, and he started instigating more. Got wow. the other person to run out. How and, dramatic! And but it, it it sucked for the kids because the kids didn't get like the dramatic like. The clock runs down to zero. To win the game, they didn't get to play the whole game. They were standing over the sidelines, like oh, because a bunch of grown-ups
1: fucked it up for them by being assholes. Exactly on both sides, which is always the horror you hear about all youth sports. And the one thing you want to avoid is that situation where the douchebag parents get in and they steal the spotlight from the kids and they ruin it for their kids. It was
2: all. And what happened was the initial play when the kid got hurt. Like, he was laying there, and he finally got up and started, like, they were helping him off, like, limp off the field. And the kids on the other team were, like, applauding the kid off. Like, it was, like, the kids... Kids get it better than grown-ups. The kids too. were into it on both sides. They right. were just, like, we're just playing a game here. What's going on? Parents are fighting, like, two-year-olds.
1: It's... The, oh, it's it was it sad. Happened. You see it all the time. It There's was so many stories about parents ruining the stuff that's going on for their kids because they can't keep their perspective. And no. But... In all fairness, it goes back to this guy too—the coach for the other team—who starts calling out people. I'm mean, class classless yeah. and stuff. And no, if you're going to. If you're going to create that situation and you're going to face those teams again later on yeah. in the year, that stuff's going to crop. I mean, it up. was
2: ready to go at at the beginning of the game, I and mean, yeah. it was just, it was, it was. I'm I felt bad for the kids because they were so like into the game, and no, of the of kids, the kids weren't like shoving or yelling at each other. They just want to play. They the just game. want to play. They, they want to
1: play football.
2: They pull a flag. The other kid on their team's like, "Hey, great pull!" Like it's like they're into it, and then they're just standing over the side, like, "What's going on?" And I have to come over and tell them, like, "Oh, there are other teams forfeiting." You guys won the Super Bowl. Like, how anticlimactic is that?
1: Bad sportsmanship, like racism, is taught. Yeah. You know, they it, really do get it from grown-ups. It is. It's and, not something that's inherent in children. They, these... they like to play together, and they will be often more uh, uh, helpful yeah. and more accommodating than their, their grown-up yeah. counterparts.
2: Every once in a while, a kid will get little mouthy or chippy but nine times out of ten they're having fun out there and it's the parents that ruin it man it's just it sucked it really sucked for that for everybody because the kids didn't get to finish playing the game right on both sides
1: right you know but your kid still kids still won our kids still that's all that but, matters
2: yeah we got the trophy so that's all that <laughs> and
1: i hope you took an ice pick and ripped open some tires in the parking lot yeah
2: we we rioted juggernaut flipped a car over man
1: wow that is that's a sad that's story. A story it's didn't It's not know. the the exciting super bowl recap no. i was hoping no, for. sorry so when I was asking you earlier, when we stepped in here to the Bat Cave, Eddie was kind of stretching and stuff. I Said, "Are you okay? You were playing the Super Bowl." He's like, Ugh. So that was so the tension well, was just sheer, just muscular tension no, from you being the, forcing on
2: the, on the pick six. I sprinted down the sideline in excitement, <laughs> and I kind of tweaked a hamstring.
1: That'll teach you. So to before do something
2: the, physical before the race war broke out. I got excited on the pick six.
1: That's funny. All right. Well, congratulations <laughs> to those Rams. Anyway, I'm glad they won their Super Bowl and. Colton got a statue, uh, trophy, trophy. Right? Statue. Statue Listening of to- a football. <laughs> he got a trophy, and now he'll he'll always remember yeah. his... Race war. His Super race Bowl. war Super Bowl. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks to all the members of the Garmin who've reached out over the weekend. By the way, I want to give a shout out to those guys. A lot of them were sending me emails asking me, speaking of, of uh, physical exertion and sprinting, about my knee. I haven't talked about my knee in a while, and a lot of folks were saying... What's up with your knee? We haven't heard. Are you getting, a, you getting surgery? Or what's going on? Well, here's the thing. It, my, um, my MRI results, you, you can't ever just find out about this shit. You have to sit down with a professional and they go over them with you like you're a moron and explain <laughs> to them in, in excruciating detail. But it was delayed because I had to go to Florida to shoot this horror movie that I did with Kevin Smith. So when I got back into town, I was able to reschedule with my orthopedist, I guess it would be. And he sat me down and we looked at the MRI and he said thusly, well, it's good news and bad news, which you never want to hear really. You don't ever want to hear that in
2: a doctor's office.
1: He said the good news is, yes, you do have a tear in your uh, meniscus. That's the good news. That was the good news. But uh, he said it is a slight tear and the tear is not, uh, what did he say? Um... I can't remember the term, but it's not it's not torn away from the, the rest of oh, the, it's meniscus. Still it's the still attached. It's still attached, so it's not flopping around to the point where they have to go in and, and snip it off with a, a an operation or anything right. to take it off. He said, "So that is not an issue." Right. He said, uh, "However, we looked at your MRI, and there is some wearing away or damage to the cartilage at the end of the bone between the other bone." that keeps your um your tibia and your fibia from rubbing together. It's not completely worn down, but there is some damage there that's either erosion or some sort of physical damage that has happened at some point in your life that you you we never noticed. You never had an MRI before now, so right. maybe that's what's happening. So gonna get arthritic. So they yeah. said it could be pre arthritis and it also could be the source of your discomfort. We don't know whether it's the meniscus issue or this issue. Oh. It could be either. Yeah. The problem is neither of them really dictates surgery at this point at any time. So what we need to do is go get physical therapy. That was their diagnosis at the end of the day. So I'm going to have to go to get physical therapy. And then if that doesn't work, cortisone injections or perhaps uh, stem cell injections are the new thing now that help to uh, increase uh, growth. Growth in the cartilage and also in the meniscus can be very therapeutic. So... There's a lot of processes we have to go through before we actually get to the surgery issue. So that's what's happening. It's very boring, and that's probably why I didn't tell the story before. But for <laughs> those of you who asked, nothing really very exciting is happening in that knee. It's going it's to be a bunch of... It's more of a maintenance issue. A lot of sport. maintenance, yeah. And, and, and actually, the pain is not so bad. It gets, it gets problematic once in a while, but I'm going to find my way. And maybe at some point, I'm going to have to get uh, some work done. But other than that... Seems like things are okay. So nothing very dramatic going it's on. Good to hear. Here. Yeah, I suppose. But <laughs> I was kind of hoping. I told my wife, I was like this is such a doctor answer. Well, we don't know. It could be, but then it could be you never really get a doctor an answer from a doctor, which is what you want. Which is this is your problem. Yeah, this is what we have we're going to gonna do. go in. Right. We're going to take that thing away from you, yeah, and bad. then you're going to be great <laughs> for the rest no. of your life. That's always the answer you want to hear from every doctor, and it's yeah. almost never the no, result. It's always a round the bend, sort of thing." so that that's my story and uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who cares about my knee and actually it's feeling pretty good've so been
2: limping up the stairs to the back they at all.
1: say that uh, uh, often especially with slight meniscus tears your body will start to compensate your your musculature will uh, start to yeah. uh, find ways to support that part of the knee and take care of it so with that and physical therapy and exercise and stuff they say there's an excellent chance that I might be okay well, they say careful. it's more concerning that this um this wearing away of the cartilage is more of a problem. Yeah, well, that
2: can be arthritis later down the road, knee replacement type stuff. And I was trying
1: to think, what could that have been? And then it dawned on me uh, about, I don't know, all those orgies. Uh, Well, sure, there's that, being on my knees a lot. (laughs) But there was also a time back, I'm trying to think, I guess it was 15 years ago? No, better than that. I know my wife for that was before I met my wife, maybe almost 20 years ago. Um, I was, maybe longer than that, maybe before I even started at uh, K-Rock, I was trying to get to my drug dealer's apartment. Okay. And she lived in a second floor balcony in Venice. And I knew she was awake, but she wasn't answering her phone. Did you scale a balcony so or something? So I scaled a balcony. <laughs> and I got to the second floor balcony, really, with I was very nimble at the moment. And I go to, went to throw my leg over her balcony, and I tipped over backwards and rather than plummet to the to the Your death. To, to my death i was able to grab myself onto the to the balcony railing and here's the thing you always see in the movies the guy who like grabs on to <laughs> like one handed one handed to the to the edge of a cliff like or in the, the rock, edge of a skyscraper balcony. poster yes. and they just they, they're falling but they catch themselves yeah and they say oh thank god let me tell you the truth is you sh- that's about 20 seconds because after about that 20 seconds, you can no longer support your entire weight with one hand, and you eventually will drop to wherever you're dropping You could
2: one-arm pull up yourself, I back could in. not.
1: And I dropped to the driveway beneath me, oh my God. and both of my legs buckled to the point when I landed that my ankles and feet were up alongside my ears. Like, I was landing, I was on my back, and I looked to either side of myself, oh. and there were my feet. You landed flat-footed? Um, and then they were less up. <laughs> more or less and then my knees collapsed and then my body collapsed after that and so my legs were super hyper extended oh, as, as they say so you were probably six two before this incident right? i was yes i was a seven footer <laughs> um and i just remember crawling back to my car to 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 get get home no I drugs mean, uh, no, no, oh. I, I had given up at that point. Uh, I was more really concerned about being a cripple than I was about <laughs> getting high. And I just remember uh, not, my legs not working, not being able to straighten or lock. I couldn't step. I couldn't walk. So I literally had to like oh marine my- crawl myself to my car to get into my car and then operate the the pedals with by pushing down oh. on my knees on the brake and the accelerator to, to operate my auto- automotive Oh, my God. Vehicle. Yeah. So I think maybe <laughs> that incident back ba- way back maybe. in the day may have done some damage to my knees. Now that I think about it, when did it. you fully recover from that? Uh, obviously, I have not fully recovered. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I was. I remember walking. I had no insurance. I was a, a bartender, so I know it was well before K Rock because I I got medical insurance for the first time ever when I had my job and at a K-Rock. better drug dealer. I would have guessed. <laughs> And um, and I remember not being able to afford even a cane or crutches, so I had two. I used to play softball with some friends, and I had two softball bats, and I used those <laughs> as like canes to like hobble along <laughs> for about a week until my my knees were able to lock on their own again and sort of function. So so what are you didn't tear in everything in there? I think it helped. I was kind of drunk at the time. It, and, that's probably exactly why. And I was relaxed, and everything sort of bended and flexed at the moment when I uh, hit impact. <sighs> What kind of drugs are we trying to get? Uh, blow, of course. Just blow. Yeah, cocaine. <laughs> uh, that's all I ever did. I'm not a lunatic. Well, I didn't know if it was like weed or something. Like, there's easier oh, ways no, to get weed, I would no. imagine. No, I was. Uh, I, I used to like to drink and then do blow. Okay. And then I get hyped up again on the blow, and then I drink more to it's take the down. edge off the blow. And it was it was a wonderful <laughs> game I used to play. <laughs> anyway, that's my knee. Thank you so much for asking. Also, thanks to everyone who sent in messages at the uh, the Ralph Report Hotline, which of course is one one eight three three. Hi, Ralph, and you folks are very kind enough to leave your messages there. You can always leave a voicemail for me. I listen to all of them. I mean I get back to everybody, but I listen to all of them just like I read every email that comes to ralph at the ralph But the voicemail messages are always fun. This one, a lot surprisingly, Eddie, a lot of them are for you. Oh, shocking. There's a lot of voicemail sure messages shocking. that come in sure. for you. People are asking questions sure. about you. This one had to do with your uh, tribute, your lovely, and, uh, <laughs> your lovely tribute to Aretha Franklin, who passed away <laughs> last week. And, and Eddie admitted something about one of her biggest hits that <laughs> a lot of people still are having a hard time processing. You make me feel like a man or a woman. God damn it, Eddie. Yeah. A lot of people were surprised that Eddie thought the lyrics to Natural Woman, where you make me feel like a man or a woman. That happened. That's for real.
2: Uh, tra- I told Tracy that when I got home. And, that, and she was but like, she said,
1: Why would you admit that to a <laughs> group of people? She had no idea.
2: thought that. And then she's like, why would you say that recorded onto a radio show? Because you're an
1: honest man. I That's am. what we love about you. This uh, this gentleman also is, uh, he, I think he's on the fence about Eddie Pence. I think sometimes he loves him. Sometimes he hates him. And this seems to be the deal breaker, which oh, no. is scary because he really gives no clue as to which way the answer will, uh, will result in. <laughs> in his final decision, but here we go.
2: Eddie fucking Pence, I have one question for you to solidify my hate or not of you.
3: How do you eat your steak? Please tell me. Wow, that no. is a loaded okay. question because
1: so, he doesn't well, tell you no. which way will make you fall in favor with him or out of favor with him. So it's a lot of pressure When you have a answer. steak, Eddie, first of all, what's your favorite cut of steak? What rib-eye. do you like to get? Ribeye is my favorite I like to pie. get a ribeye. When you get your ribeye how How are you eating? what in what style do I you eat like medium steak? rare? Medium rare? Little blood in the center. You know what? I, I don't know <laughs> this guy's answer <laughs> right? He's he, a terrifying email to, <laughs> or a, a, a voicemail to get because he doesn't really give you any hint. But I would think as a steak fan, that seems completely acceptable. I'm to a me. steak purist. Uh,
2: oh my goodness! I don't goodness. like uh, steak sauce. I don't like anything like garlic butter. On my, I want. Well, we know a,
1: you don't eat anything on your hot dog, so I can't imagine you put anything if, on your steak. If it's a good piece of, if
2: it's a good cut of steak, that's all the
1: flavor you need. That's how I feel. My wife, believe it or not, and my wife is a foodie. She is a person who has eaten in more Michelin star restaurants than anyone <laughs> I know. I mean, she is a legit. She's always cooking. She is a food <laughs> yeah. nut. She likes steak sauce. And I say oh. to her, how can you put A1 on a nice cut of meat? Oh. You're ruining the reason you eat that meat is to taste the, the flavor meat. of that beef.
2: Especially a nice, like a uh, good ribeye or porterhouse. You want blood red in the center, <laughs> medium rare. Wow, well, I think you might have won that guy <laughs> over. A steak I, again, I don't know
1: his answer. Maybe not. He maybe maybe he'll it. call back and let us know whether you passed the test or he not. He looks it but well done with ketchup like Trump. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? And I think that's what he was expecting from you, quite frankly. <laughs> And I don't mean to put this on you, but I think he was thinking, given your track record with weird food issues, Well done with ketchup. You might have liked it. Well done with ketchup. So I think you may have saved yourself. Hopefully, You may have spared yourself. And then this, finally, this came in. This email came from Dan Bauman. And I want to give Dan much love. He is a three-star general. He is a theatrical sound designer in Atlanta, Georgia. And he has donated to us... What I think is the perfect jingle for our, our new ongoing segment where we look at the Ziggy comic strip. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ziggy is, is terrible. Ziggy is, has, Ziggy has been with us since 1968. And again, this, this is the reason behind the majority of my outrage. Is not just that a lot of successful things come and go, and I get that. But this thing debuted in 68 and is still with us in 2018. That means... 50 years Ziggy has been allowed to exist without being funny once and I'm furious it's about that. No accountability. That. <laughs> no Ziggy accountability. is terrible and, and as I mentioned we, we've written, we've read rather a couple of Ziggy cartoons out loud and I said if you have an idea for a Ziggy jingle please send it along and Dan Bauman sent this one in and when I heard it I was like, it's kind of genius. Here is, uh, here is Dan's tribute to how much Ziggy sucks. <laughs> Terrible.
3: Right? It's, That's amazing. it's short
1: and it's perfect. <laughs> Ziggy's Terrible from Dan Bauman. Oh. Uh, for those of you who uh, did not look at Ziggy over the weekend, I pulled out one of the weekend Ziggy's. It is from, uh, I don't know, Saturday, I think. It's <sighs> was brilliant. A lot of people suggesting nothing against you, Eddie. Pence, no, a lot of people suggesting that maybe should. I should voice Ziggy.
2: Absolutely, voice Ziggy. You're the voice guy
1: because uh, not that you're not trying, no, I, but you have a hard time with words lowercase and eyes, upside down and words. So uh, this is uh, the Ziggy from the weekend. It is Ziggy, and I even know the character of Ziggy. It's a small, bald, fat man with no pants, wearing or a, sense shirt, or a sense of humor or sense of humor. And he says things that I guess are supposed to be comic, but uh, there, it's a one-panel comic strip, and it's, it's never, never funny. Ziggy is terrible, is what we're saying, and that's why the new...
2: Ziggy's
3: terrible. Ziggy is terrible.
1: Good voice. So Ziggy is standing there in a, in a void... Very artistic She's he's standing there, he's staring out at the at the viewer at the at the reader, and here's what he says: "I know we should all try to avoid advertising our shortcomings, but I feel like mine keep running during the super Bowl." <laughs>
2: You almost feel like there should be something coming after that. Nope. That would
1: be the punchline. Not the setup at all. (laughs) That (laughs) was the setup and the punchline. One more time. Here we go. This is uh, Ziggy and the setup and the punchline of what is called a comic strip. I know we should all try to avoid advertising our shortcomings, but it feels like mine keep running during the Super Bowl. By the way, you have to remember, that took place in August, <laughs> that comic strip. That wasn't something that... The month we're in, right now. That wasn't the one that aired in
2: January. During the Super Bowl, when that would have been apropos.
1: But even then,
2: right? Right. Right. Unless we're talking about Colton Super Bowl, maybe.
1: All right? Hey, maybe. Maybe. It all ties maybe. in. Maybe he's got his finger on the pulse. All right. The way we kick off every episode, of course, is take a look at the big calendar here in the Batcave. It is uh, the list of national and international holidays. Not all of them are reasonable. Some of them are complete bullshit, and that's why we have this ongoing segment called "Holiday or Holiday." Holiday or holiday? Please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Yeah, Eddie and I were just talking before we got on the air that some people are complaining that. <laughs> We' changed the order of the uh, the jingles before and after this segment. <laughs> Listen. Guys. we want we want everyone to be happy. But I, at the end of the day, it's you can't make everybody help. right it's just not possible and and we all recognize like oh that makes much more sense to put that one in front because it literally asks yeah. the question and then we do the thing yeah. and then we wrap it up with the funny thing at the yeah.
2: end and we were against it at the beginning right. and then we played and it and this like, guy said this try that sense. and we
1: listen we're like oh my god he was right we were wrong We're the worst. He's the best.
2: And now there's a whole clamoring.
1: And now people are like, no, go back to the old original way. They were better in the old times, which is like a week ago. Just (laughs) stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) All right. Here we go. It is all the holidays for today, Monday, August 20th. It is, and I'm I'm putting this one up front. It's a food one. Oh, right Usually we save those for the end, yeah. but I know the answer, and I'm not going to dwell on it because just we're just going to move on because we already we already been through this with Eddie and oh. pecan pie. <laughs> okay. So I can imagine national chocolate pecan pie would make no difference no, one way no or difference. the other how Eddie not feels about them. Person. So let's just accept it for what it is. And by the way, I'm not uh, I'm not on Eddie's team when it comes to pecan pie. But I have to say, I don't like the holidays where you start to split the hairs with the day. If pecan pie has a day already, don't come back at me for a second bite of the, the apple and say, oh, it's chocolate pecan pie yeah. day. Oh, and three months from now, it's going to be strawberry pecan <laughs> day. Fuck you. Peanut you get one pecan, pecan pie day and that's it for you. Move on. <laughs> it's
2: my least favorite
1: nut. Who has nuts I'm just saying in a favorite order? Out of a bag of nuts. How does anyone know because what their favorite or least favorite nut chalky.
2: is? It's chalky. It's a chalky nut. It's a dry, chalky nut. I don't like it. It's not my favorite. It's my least favorite. I tried
1: nut. to let you off the hook by not dwelling on I this, can. and you have to volunteer that you have a least favorite nut. Who I, lives their I life that way? Who has their nuts prioritized?
2: I obviously am on the spectrum, and I cannot shut my mouth. No
1: shit. <laughs> Who knew that you needed this much help? And honesty just comes out. Alright, it is also Discovery Day. This is for all our uh, Garmi members up there in Canada. Discovery Day is an annual event in the Yukon in Canada, which always makes me think of uh, Yukon Cornelius from... Oh, uh, gold. That's right, from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Nothing. Reindeer Christmas special. Nothing. I'm Yukon Cornelius! I'm looking for silver and gold! <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Bumbles bounce! Bumbles bounce! <laughs> it is an homage to the Discovery of Gold! By Jim Mason in Bonanza Creek in 1896, up there in the Yukon, it created a giant gold rush in the Yukon. Important to the Yukon, why? Because it became established as a Canadian territory. Because it became so rich, mm. and so today Discovery Day up there in the Yukon, they actually celebrate it, and uh, they celebrate becoming part of Canada. Good so for them, look, it's a great part of the world. I'm guessing. I've never been up there. Seems cold to me. I've never gone more north than Calgary. And uh, I know we've had folks from the Yukon attend Hollywood Babylon shows and what have you. Sounds cold. So uh, much love to them. It is also National Radio Day. Uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with radio. <laughs> I don't understand that uh, that medium. Is it still I, around? Everyone involved with radio can suck my left <laughs> nut. As far as I'm <laughs> known. No, look, radio is great. A lot of people, uh, a lot of great people came out of radio. I don't know what the future of radio is. I think it 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 may be. Uh, it may be troubled it may be a troubled medium I think yeah. I think podcasts may be the future of communication when it comes to spoken word
2: it's become such a you know pick your poison sort of entertainment world it's kind of hard to have a general like station you know like podcasts you just download what you want to listen to yes you know, and those. and it's
1: a boutique world where you can yeah. kind of uh, pick and choose your entertainment and you can get it that way. And I know uh, in radio, they throw away a lot of people that do a lot of good work for them, and they they just toss them aside. There's one
2: guy I know. I don't know anybody. I don't
1: know that guy. I can't think of his name right now. I'm just saying. It is National Radio Day. So if you still enjoy radio, good for you. And if you work in radio, especially a particular radio station, once again, uh, uh, lick my left one. (laughs) It's also National Day of Medical Transporters.
2: I'm all for that. That's probably a tough job. Is that like helicopter? Or like I'm sorry. Did I helicopter? say National
1: international, oh, international Day of Medical Transporters? This started back in World War One, where the field ambulances transported those in need of medical care yeah. to facilities where they could be treated. Then it started to roll over into orderlies and hospitals, and then of course in the ambulance drivers and the EMTs that take care of people in the field. I can't imagine a more high-stress, important position than the folks, the first responders who show up no. on the scene when people need, need medical help, and there they are. For
2: I it. have a friend's wife or friend's husband in San Diego in the Marines, and he does a helicopter during battle. We'll go in and oh my god, lift people out. Like I'm like, wow, yeah, you're right. right. I mean that you're not even fighting. You're trying to get people wounded out, and you're taking fire, and you can't. You don't fire back. You Nothing try to better run than that. Right. You're not. You're not.
1: You're not fighting. You're just saving you're lives. Saving lives. You
2: have no. You can't get under cover. the worst possible situation. It's insane. So hats off to all right. that
1: stuff. So God bless all the medical transporters out there. All you EMTs, all you ambulance drivers, all the uh, the people, the orderlies who work in hospitals who move patients from. ERs to uh, to their rooms and stuff. Stat, when people go south, God bless you, and we're thinking of you. It's also Homeless Animals Day. Look, I... Ugh, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. <laughs> Good. Not me. You're... I like animals. I want animals to be taken care of. I think as a society, you can judge a society by how well they treat their pets and animals. I get it. And homeless animals, the animals that fill shelters and the ones who are abandoned by their owners and stuff, it just it is heartbreaking and i get it and i'm not denying that homeless animals day isn't a day where we should take a moment and think about those animals and try to do better but as long as there are still human beings living on streets and people who uh children and mothers who don't have uh veterans veterans uh the folks who have protected us abroad and domestically and folks who uh who have no, nothing to eat and no place to live. And I'm not saying one is better than the other or more necessary than the other, but as long as there are human beings in need on the streets uh, and the mentally ill, there's a, such a major problem, especially maybe I'm sensitive to it because here in Los Angeles, we yeah. seem to well, you we see seem to deal with it more than day. a lot of cities. Every day you see it here. Um, it just, it breaks my heart. And I'm not saying we can ignore the problem of homeless animals. And, and it shouldn't to get attention. And today is Homeless Animals Day as I mentioned. That's fine. Let's let's try to find homes for animals, but at the same time, let's not lose our perspective in terms of priorities. And I think that I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this. So be it. I think animals are great and we love them and we want to protect them, but as long as there are still people living on the streets and living under cardboard boxes and living in 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 conditions that you wouldn't want an animal to live in, quite frankly, any m- living thing. Maybe like maybe we want to uh, adjust our our put the reason
2: yeah, address that. I mean, our passions. Yeah, I know. I
1: know you can address more than one thing. I like know, and it, they're not mutually be, exclusive. Yeah, and I'm not saying we should not acknowledge have a day where we acknowledge homeless animals, and I get that. I'm just. I I guess I'm sort of uh, a nerd to the to the argument where a lot of people and, and it, it's partially it's PETA and people like it where they just put animals above and beyond all other causes and I think it's a valid cause it's an important cause but I think also at the same pla at the same time you need to put it in perspective yeah. and you need to, take... you need to rank yeah. your priorities and make sure that it seems comfortable and yeah. reasonable as a human being who who should. You should love other human beings and, and want to help other humans as much as you want to help and that will kitty cats and puppies. And filter its way like down. That. If you take care of the people, hopefully. Ideally. You that's know, ideally. Case. Right. So, again, don't hate me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying don't help the kitty cats and the no. puppies. But
2: if you're going to get a pet, adopt. Don't uh, go to a course. Sh- don't, yes. go, don't go to a pet shop. That, that go being to a shelter said, and
1: adopt. That a little uh, editorial thing being a said, uh, being said, if you want to get a, a, a dog or a cat or anything, a dog. go to a shelter, especially a high-kill shelter, and g- rescue those dogs and cats and take care of them and make sure the animals are, are, are well taken care of because, yes, they're our friends and our companions, and they give unconditional love, and I appreciate that. I'm, and uh, Well, cats, not so much, but <laughs> dogs especially. <laughs> just take care of them, and I get that. And I'm just trying to say... Let's keep things in perspective, yeah. shall we? Good luck with that. It's also uh, World Mosquito Day. Fuck mosquitoes, Wait, why would right? You we can world? all agree yeah. on that. I
2: think well they don't deserve a day.
1: Well, they're not celebrating the mosquito, <laughs> uh, Eddie. They're actually trying like. to use it, it to like. recognize the mosquitoes as cause of malaria. <laughs> it's not and World Fuck
2: Mosquitoes Day.
1: <laughs> they're trying to recognize that, uh, that the cause of malaria is mosquitoes, and they want to uh, cause awareness and also fundraising for research into the cure of malaria because many countries still have problems with mosquitoes being the cause yeah, of malaria, malaria, West Nile, all that well, stuff. That's a problem. Here in the States we even have a problem with the West Nile. They virus. found it
2: over here in uh Sherman or Valley Village. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's,
1: mosquitoes blow. I don't if there is a God, <laughs> I don't quite understand his grand design for mosquitoes the mosquito. Mosquitoes and gnats. I don't really understand either one. So keep that in mind and donate to uh, whatever cause you can find. And question your religion. That fucks mosquitoes (laughs) over. And okay, now we've saved our food, our our real question mark, to see how Eddie feels Uh, about uh, a particular food. We have saved that for the end. We're going to see how he feels about this one. It is national... National (laughs) Lemonade Day. I love lemonade. Oh my goodness. Hell yes. Eddie loves lemonade. lemonade. I love lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd's going wild. Eddie loves lemonade, but fuck strawberry. <laughs> oh my, of course, <laughs> go take that. I love
2: lemonade. Lemonade's awesome.
1: Wow, look who could have seen that coming.
2: Well, that's what's not to like about lemonade. Well,
1: Eddie, many people could say that about many things that's that you've for, balked at I earlier. So, I guess so. People say what's not to love about a creamsicle, and yet still you found a way to poo-poo all over that.
2: I got a lecture on. At the Improv on Friday night. I hope you did. Somebody.
1: Uh, it's National Lemonade Day. Not only is lemonade a, a lovely and delicious and refreshing beverage, but the National Lemonade Day founder, Michael Holthouse, says that lemonade stands have been helping kids learn the benefit of business practices, responsibility, and financial education since back in. When they started, and kids have been selling lemonade for almost 100 years. So, congratulations not only to lemonade, but also the lemonade stand and the, and rise, the, the rising price of lemon, <laughs> lemonade. And the stands. lesson that it teaches kids everywhere. How to run a business? The, for a lot of kids, their first business is the lemonade stand. I was driving
2: through Beverly Hills, the flats of Beverly Hills, uh, taking Colton to and from camp one day, and they had a lemonade stand. It was like three dollars a glass. I'm like, what are, are you, you guys me? doing? Well, you're in Beverly Hills. I know, Stop but it's, buying
1: your lemonade in it's Beverly a Hills, Dixie cup full of lemonade. Going down to Compton, you can get Beverly, you can get lemonade for like a nickel. That's where I'm going to go. You buy yourself a pitcher. Can you can keep the pitcher. Beverly Hills lemonade is expensive. Well, man. what do you figure? anyway that is today's holiday or holiday uh, real quick reminder this Sunday at noon Pacific time it will be our August live stream event that is when we uh, throw up a live stream live stream well, could happen live stream <laughs> video. Know of myself i think eddie pence is going to stop by we're going to hang out and we're going to answer all of your questions as we do once a month for all the i want to say three and four star generals i think it is i'm not quite sure on that you might want to check your uh, your uh, your membership information to find out but i'm pretty sure it's the three and four star generals who get access to all of the live stream events that we do every month this one will happen this sunday and I want to say, again, that is the 26th 26. of August at noon Pacific time. We will be sending out a, uh, a link that you can click on, and then you can join in. You can ask questions. My wife, Carrie, mans the computer, and she asks us all the questions. And I will be there. Eddie's going to be there. Olivia will be there. Reggie the Wonder Dog <laughs> usually stops by. So it's a good time. That'll be this Sunday. August the 26th at noon Pacific time. Live from the Batcave. Yes, live in the Batcave. And speaking of live events, also I do want to mention that today, Monday, at noon Pacific time, we are going to be opening up ticket sales for a first ever live The Ralph Report recording in front of a live audience. It's a very exciting day. You're going to want to be there if you're in the Southern California area for the very first Ralph Report live in front of an audience. Uh, It is going to be me. It's going to be your vice host, Eddie Pence. It's going to be our UK correspondent from England is going to be live there. Steve Ashton will be there. My wife, Carrie, will be there. We're going to be live at the Improv on Melrose in Hollywood performing the first ever live Ralph Report. That's going to be on Saturday, September 15th, the late night show, 1030. Tickets go on sale for everyone today at noon, 20, uh, noon, 12, 12, that'd be 12, 12, <laughs> 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, or is it daylight time? Daylight or, time. Yeah, well, it's whatever. not savings yet, so. It's noon. Noon. Noon Pacific Time, the tickets what go on sale. We did a pre-sale for the uh, four-star generals, but everyone else can buy their tickets today at noon. And and if it's you've never
2: been be... to the improv, go. It's a historic stage in one of the landmarks Here's the in thing. Hollywood.
1: It is a classic. Yeah. If you're a stand-up comedy fan at all...
2: Anytime I get to perform on that stage is a treat.
1: It's legendary. All the greats. Richard Pryor and Robin Williams. Carlin. Carlin Seinfeld. I mean, everybody has played there. It's an amazing space. So, uh, Saturday night, The Late Show. It's going to be a blast. And then afterwards, we're all going to be there in the bar... Uh, meeting and greeting and signing autographs and taking pictures and whoever you want to meet of the group uh, from that puts together the round report every <laughs> if you day. you want to lecture me on food go Do you want to corner Eddie and tell him how he should eat please <laughs> he's living for that so um, it's going to be a good time so if you if you if you're interested and you want to come on out again tickets uh, general public tickets go on sale today afternoon and you go to improv.com to get your tickets for that all right let's take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment we call the showbiz beat um it is monday that means it is the bachelorette tonight and tomorrow night uh my wife carrie and i will be doing the reports both tomorrow and wednesday for that show but i did a quick interview over the week and i got a chance to talk with a guy who is a legend in reality television named Ken Fuchs, and he is the director of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Shark Tank and Family Feud. It's a great interview, a little quick, little hit. We had a chance to talk over the phone. Here's my talk with director Ken Fuchs. Ken Fuchs, the king of reality television, thanks so much for spending some time with me today, sir.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Let's talk about, first and foremost, I am a huge Bachelor and Bachelorette fan. Uh, Chris Harrison's a pal, I uh, live and, and die for that franchise, and you've been there since almost since the beginning, right?
0: That's right, I, I, uh, I started on Trista's season, which was Bachelorette 1, and the third, the third uh, season of the franchise. It is always fascinating to me, you know,
1: you think the basic premise is repeated over and over again in, in both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and yet... The actions of real people in that situation is always entertaining.
0: Well, people always say people always ask like they they can't believe that these things happen organically and, and, and naturally. And I'm telling you, I'm I'm surprised myself every single day, every single season at the drama and the love affairs and what what happens? What what goes on every day? It's just it's mind blowing, but but then again, I'm not 25 years old anymore and <laughs> on the dating scene. And I guess, you know, I look at my kids and I see the same drama going on. So I guess this is what's par for the course now.
1: Now, as a director of reality television, for lack of a better word, how do you go about it? keeping it visually interesting? I mean, how many cameras are you rolling at any one given time? Let's say during a cocktail party at the, in the Bachelor Mansion. How many cameras are you rolling and how do you decide how to, how to shoot that?
0: Okay, so the Bachelor's done is a traditional reality, a straight reality show. By that I mean we don't do a line cut. I don't switch between the cameras. We don't try to mix the show live, like say we do with uh, Shark Tank or Family Feud. Those are done as more multi-camera studio shows. Um, the Bachelor is really done as a documentary um, film, um, where we. Uh, depending on the scene we'll we'll send our troops out to battle and by the troops I mean my crews. So a crew is typically a cameraman with an AC and a mixer and on the big nights we'll have anywhere from maybe 10 to 12 or 13 of them um, wow. roaming the house. Um, and then of course you know with breaks and meals and different you know sort of staggered schedules, we make sure we're always covered on uh, when we're when we're on a date it's a much smaller crew obviously if it's a if it's a group date we'll have more crews if it's a one-on-one date we'll have fewer crews so we sort of allocate our resources as needed um, based on the size of the cast and the and the scope of the and the scope of the location
1: now how about when you're traveling when you're traveling all over the world and uh, Beck Becca's taking all her suitors with her everywhere do you guys have uh, a crew that goes out with them to every location
0: yes yes so we we travel our core group um and and our group our crew and our staff and our our producers for the majority have been with us forever i mean we've really stuck together and that's given us a really nice um family atmosphere um and a shorthand when at work but um but it went away from work on the road it's really important that you but you're surrounded with you know a hundred people that you really get along well with because uh you know, as you know, you don't you don't really want any drama um, behind the scenes. We want all the drama in front of the camera. Right. Um, and we don't really pick up. It, it's just it's too hard a visual language and too hard a production schedule to try to pick up crews in other cities or other countries. So we we try to say very self-contained and um, we bring our core group with us everywhere.
1: Speaking of the schedule, it must start. Early in the morning, there always seems to be footage of someone getting out of bed and getting out of the hotel rooms, getting into their date, all the way into late in the evening when the dates are over, whether it's at home
0: or on the road. That must be, a, right. what, it's a 12, 16-hour day? What is that? Right. I. You know what? I'm not sure, because I'm not there early in the morning. <laughs> there. I. I. Uh, I uh, we, we do have a team, and we do stagger calls, so we, you know, we, we stay within our... Uh, you know, sort of allotted time. We try not to accumulate a lot of overtime. It's actually a fairly budget-friendly show in that sense. We we have enough we have enough bodies to throw at it. So, though well, somebody even on the producer level, somebody may be in early morning, and then. They'll get relieved by other crews, you know, and other and other team production teams in the afternoon or late at night. So um, nobody it's difficult and and some shoots. And yes, sometimes you're in the middle of a scene and you're not you don't want to swap out crews. Someone who's been shooting something for five hours. You don't want to have to change your personnel, um, if you will. And and so some of those days do get quite long, but um, it's not. It's not as bad. It's not as hard as on us as it is on the cast.
1: <laughs> right. They're, plus, they're they're drinking all day long too, so it adds to the problem.
0: They're the ones who are up early and up late. Yeah, yeah. but they're young. So that's true.
1: That's true. I could I could drink uh, well into the evening as well when I was their age. So I guess we all did. Yeah. Uh, how did you get a start in reality? Because if I'm not mistaken, you started off with scripted stuff, right?
0: Right. Well, scripted and also variety. I really came up through traditional variety television. <sighs> Um, with the Marty Passetta and, and Don Mischer and those guys and the award shows and the big variety specials. Um, and then I was doing, you know, of course, talk shows, game shows, um, and stand-up comedy, whatever sort of was the flavor of that year mm-hmm. or that that decade. That's where I was working. And then one day, um, you know, I was aware of reality television, but it wasn't exactly on my radar, but it was non-scripted. So um one day somebody uh another gentleman hooked me up with mike fleiss and that was sort of the beginning of the end um a a woman at warner brothers brooke carson reached out to me because they needed to figure out how how this was going to get directed and it wasn't exactly single camera guys but it wasn't necessarily it certainly wasn't scripted guys right but it was so we so a few of us multi-camera guys made the transition into reality, and um, it's a very different beast. You have to sort of let go of some of your expectations and things you've learned in one genre to move to the other. But for me, it all came down to you know storytelling, and in that sense, I, I find it fascinating and challenging, and, and I love the variety.
1: Now, you mentioned with Bachelor and Bachelorette, you you end up sort of building the show after the fact in the editing process when you're done collecting all of your footage. But something like Shark Tank, that's done more traditionally where you are cutting between cameras and picking up shots live, right?
0: That's right, yeah. Shark Tank is sort of a true hybrid. I mean, on the one hand, you would have live television where you're shooting a ratio of one-to-one. One. In other words, every minute you shoot is on television. Mm-hmm. right? And then Bachelor, where you're shooting you know, a, a ton of footage and the editors, and it's very post-intensive and post-driven, and we have an amazing, amazing post department of story producers and story editors and assistant editors and loggers, and it's just a whole machine on the post end. Shark Tank falls somewhere in between. Shark Tank is sort of a hybrid in that we don't shoot, uh, we don't overshoot as much material as obviously Bachelor needs to, um, but it's not quite, it's not exactly as efficient as shooting like a game show or something. Mm -hmm. And
1: Um, again, that show in terms of its template, in terms of its format mm -hmm. is sort of repetitive. You've got the shark sitting there, you have the people enter in. And yet again, I binge watch shark tank over at CNBC when it's just the, the drama, the inherent drama of those situations makes it eminently watchable.
0: Good. Well, that's what we hope for. And, and you know, it's interesting. Like uh, even, even that for me, it feels like a little static and that you know there's not a lot of movement there's not a lot happening but visually i'm still just trying to keep it interesting trying to tell a story you know mm. whether it's through move camera movement or camera placement or lenses or little things we can do or small blocking but really that relationship between the sharks and the relationship between the sharks and the entrepreneur just has to be compelling and and it's it is live for sure and i just want to make sure i capture that and and if i can enhance that um you know for the viewer so thank you i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad that you still because you're right people do watch episode after episode after episode (laughs) and it still feels fresh
1: it does and it's always interesting you don't you don't lose you don't get bored it's it's kind of crazy that that's like you mentioned it's not a very uh active show visually but the dynamics i think that you create in that atmosphere are very compelling
0: yeah i yeah. i agree Thank now you've
1: you. done uh, family feud as well right with steve harvey right it's so i've done that
0: for 17 years now wow um that's that and, and bachelor i started around the same time um i started back with richard karn i did four years and then four years with john o'hurley and now i think steve we just did our eighth or ninth year um and steve's taken it to a you know a plateau we could never have imagined. I mean, it, it just Heights, You know, number one ranked syndicated show in America, number one ranked game show. Um, obviously, Steve's gone on to amazing other other shows. But um, I love I love Family Feud. And that and that has a very different feel to it directing as well, because it is a live studio audience.
1: Right. So that's, and, and a game show, I think, has different dynamics that, than what you run into with the other shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, what's although, your... although there's still a little bit of a reality element to it, right? Sure. Yeah. Steve doesn't know what they're going to say. He's never met them. They don't know what the questions are. We don't know what the family dynamic. A lot of that stuff comes out in the course of playing the game.
1: But also, the energy of that that show is very different from sure. either of the the previous shows we've talked about because it's very funny and it's very frenetic. And there's sure. a lot, you know, you want to build up that hype as much as possible while the game's going on. Sure.
0: So. And a, and a lot of that's a lot of that's attributable attributable to are you know having a live studio audience? Sure. What's your
1: favorite of the of the three shows we've talked about? Ooh. Do you have a? I mean, obviously you love your work in general, but is there I one do. when the season starts you're like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to that again? I,
0: I have to tell you, this is not no BS. Right. I I really do love them equally, and I and I love all the shows. I do love Connection, the Proposal. I just finished doing the New Deal or No Deal for CNBC. Um, I enjoy all of them for different reasons. And I enjoy my favorite day is when that season starts because it's fresh again and it's new again, and I've missed those people and it and and then, you know, probably my second day, favorite day is this when the season ends because then <laughs> I get because you get it's a little bit of a burnout, right? Sure. There's a lot of shows and a lot of work and a lot of stress. And that show ends. and then you know I get to move on. I'm very lucky, and then I get to move on to something else that is a little different. Like I said, all those shows have a slightly different feel, different executive producers, different studios, um, and working with different people. So I, I can't pick between them. I honestly cannot pick between them. I would say live, when we do the live bachelor specials and the live bachelor weddings, those have been some of my most, um, for director, those are sort of the holy grail because it, it begins and ends with you. Right. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a thrill ride.
1: And like you said, that, that's the one-to-one time. That's when what you're shooting that's is it. going right
0: out yep. there to the people. Yep. When yes. I say take three, all of America sees camera three for it's better or worse. It's
1: purely your vision at that moment.
0: I hope so, yeah. <laughs> hey, one last question. How did you get screwed out of Bachelor in
1: Paradise? Why aren't you hanging out in Mexico, having exactly. a good time down there?
0: I don't know. I didn't know it was going to be so much fun. Um, <laughs> no, I was I was very happy to do it. To do, I would have been very happy to, to to continue on but it conflicted with um it shoots uh in june same time as shark tank oh I, so got you. Okay. I had to uh at that point i was i was already locked and loaded in shark tank and um michael shea fills in for me down in paradise and does a great job and that's a hugely successful uh offshoot of the franchise now as well so it's all good
1: ken i uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us and also thank you for the hours literally the hours and hours of entertainment that you provided not only me but a lot of my listeners so uh, right on my
0: pleasure thank you it's
1: cool to get a behind the scenes look man i really appreciate it you got it all right because it's monday we also like to take a look at all the top 10 movies at the box office firstly i'd like to apologize a lot of people sent in emails saying You did the Ralph Report uh, movie beat last Friday, and you did not mention Crazy Rich Asians, which also opened up this weekend. And a lot of people accused me, by the way, of racism, (laughs) which (laughs) I thought was a fascinating jump to go from one to the other. Uh, First of all, no, not racism. (laughs) Let me explain to you what happened (laughs) is the source that I get The weekend's movies from gives me the movies that are opening up on Friday. And Crazy Rich Asians opened up on the Wednesday prior to that. Okay. So it was not listed as a Friday release. So as I was compiling all the information for the movie beat, it simply it was not on my radar. No. I did not know that was happening until I saw this weekend that it did very well. And I was like, oh, why didn't we talk about that? That's why. It wasn't racism <laughs> against Asians. It was the wow. fact that the, uh, the source website I use for the opening movies that weekend did not list them they're obviously racist well obviously, obviously yes they, they are, are. God, God, they're racist i don't know anything about them but i know they're racist that much <laughs> i know so to anyone who calls me out on <laughs> racism i and here's the thing when you have your own business like i do with the ralph report your goal really is to try to make every person who subscribes <laughs> to your podcast as happy as possible you don't want to narrow your focus down and to so you point. don't uh you don't You don't tend to maybe lash out as quickly as you might back in the day when you, say, worked for a giant corporation and didn't really give a shit who listened or didn't listen. Now that every dollar counts, when everyone subscribes is precious to me, I am not as quick to respond in a negative way as I (laughs) used to be. So I would like to say for those people who thought I was racist by not mentioning um, crazy rich Asians, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Drop out... Cancel your subscription to move on. I can't. I just can't. I can't suffer those fools any longer. And I really can't. That title's racist to begin with. <laughs> no, so it's let's not, start with Eddie. That. Stop so making things worse. There's the racism. But for anyone who accused me of racism for for not mentioning a movie last weekend, I you have to you have to accept my apology. But I have to tell you to go fuck yourself. I really do. (laughs) I I wish I couldn't. I wish I could suck it up and just kiss everyone's ass all the time. But sometimes people just refuse to not be told to fuck off. And that's you people. Anyone who thinks I'm racist because I missed out on a movie, then you're you're beyond ridiculous. I got got no answer for you. And I'm not sure I want you listening to my show. You're kind of part of the problem (laughs) of this planet right Uh, now. fuck's sake anyway let's take a look at the top 10 movies at the box office to see what people went to see this weekend and number one was crazy rich asians and why not asians are awesome i love asians and on top of it it was a smash hit book and everyone wanted to uh, see the movie version of this novel warner brothers happily celebrated with 25.2 million dollars at number one this weekend beating out the meg beating out a giant shark that's how cool the crazy rich asians hey. are <laughs> Uh, The Meg made $21.1 million. Mile 22, the Mark Wahlberg film, made $13.6 million. Overwatch. Number three. It's Overwatch. We get shit done. (laughs) We have a Transformer. (laughs) Mission Impossible Fallout still hanging in the top five. $10.5 million. Kept it at number four. Alpha. The story about the uh, The dog and the cave boy. boy. Yeah, Top five movie. Pretty impressive. $10.5 million. Good for that movie. Disney's Christopher Robin. Love that film. $8.8 million made it number six. Black Klansman was seventh. I saw of, that movie. Have you seen? i, I got to see it. It's like so high on my list. It's a good movie. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know how it. accurate it is, but it's a good movie. doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, Slender Man. Really? You want to see that? I, uh, did. I heard you were racist. I, I, oh, I no, <laughs> oh, that was me. I I'm went sorry. in with racist intentions. <laughs> good man. Slender Man was eighth <laughs> at the box office with $4.9 million. Hotel... Transylvania Three, oh, that movie, Jesus. Summer Vacation is number nine, still in the top ten, and Mamma Mia, here we go again, was the number ten movie at the box office. Um, I went to see The Little Mermaid over there. Oh, how mountain. was that? It was. It was fine. Yeah. It was. It reminded me of movies. Here's the thing: not every kid movie used to be an A-list project back yeah. in the day. Sometimes kids movies were the lower budget sort of. Well, kids will buy this, so we can get away with it. It struck me of those kind of kid movies that I used to watch when I was a kid. My kid loved it. Oh, that's good. But as I was watching, I was like, really? How is this guy, the actor they picked to play the villain in this piece? He is fucking awful. (laughs) And then I watched the end credits, and he was also the producer oh, of the film. It was one of those kind of films. It's a pay-to-play. <laughs> yes. So, um, But uh, Shirley MacLaine is charming in it, and uh, a great a, a great cast. Uh, Poppy, I can't remember her last name. Drayton, I believe it is. She's charming, and it was fine. Olivia it was for loved a it. That's mo- all I meant. Exactly. I loved wa- watching my kid love it. So, uh, And she's going to do a Olivia uh, at the movies Ooh, nice. tomorrow talking about that film. So that is uh, our take on the films today. <laughs> Speaking of movies and box office, Kevin Spacey's film Billionaire Boys Club was released into theaters over the weekend. We didn't mention that either, by the way. Does that make me racist against white That's people? Homophobic, I Maybe. think. Maybe. He was uh the movie came out initially as a uh, as a pay-per-view, was it? Yeah. It came out about a month ago. On so it was already out. It was already released. Yes, but then they released it into theaters as an indie film. I guess just to try to get a second bite at the apple and make some more money. It was new... only released in 10 cities across the United States. I
2: wonder if that's a new format they're trying to do, a wide release on digital. They do that and often. Then do it's a not new. Sometimes oh, really?
1: they'll do that. They'll release it as a digital to try to get interest. And then and then they do a theatrical release. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, it, it set a record. <laughs> Ten cities across the U.S. on Friday night, it was released. The Billionaire's Boys Club starring Kevin Spacey and others. Ansel Elgort, who I think is a talented actor. Taron Egerton, who I like. Emma Roberts. They all starred in this film. Released in ten cities across the U.S. on Friday night. And over the weekend, it made $126 at the box office. $126? Yeah. Yeah. It grossed $12.60 at each location.
2: Well, an average ticket is like 10 bucks, right? That's right,
1: which is less than two tickets for each location, <laughs> given the average price of a movie ticket in America, which is $9.27. So
2: it's like 12 The movie tickets. was screened at 10 theaters in
1: the Bay Area, Phoenix, Minneapolis, New Orleans, Hartford, New Haven, Miami, and Sarasota, Florida. And apparently... People were not on board with Kevin Spacey. Got a It's tick- crazy now. Yeah, that Kevin Spacey's career has fallen. Done. It's really Done. it's over. I can't. I don't know how he comes back. I from don't. This. I mean
2: that alone, right there, is poison.
1: Yeah. I I guess if you, if you molest young men, people you get your, have a problem get with your that. Comeuppance. Yeah. Not if you're in the Catholic Church. Apparently no. that that still is going strong. But still, if you're a movie star. Speaking of money, Jerry Seinfeld did an interview last week where he talked about the fact that he turned down. NBC's offer, you know what they were offering him per episode to do another year of Seinfeld before he called it quits? No, I knew it was like a
2: huge number.
1: You know what number that huge number was? Per episode, per episode? for one episode for another season of Seinfeld. He would have earned this per show, not for the season, per episode of Seinfeld. Like $20 million an episode? Well, wow, that's ridiculous. Five million episodes. Five million, five million dollars an episode.
2: Because like the Friends Cast got a million at right. one point. Right, and at that time everyone said, that was this ridiculous. is the craziest so amount of money million.
1: everyone's ever earned ever. Five million dollars an episode to do another episode another season of Seinfeld. And he passed it over. And they asked him why in this interview, and he said, The most important word in art is proportion. How much? How long is this joke going to be? How many words? Yeah. How many minutes? And getting that right is what makes it art or makes it mediocre. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> that, that, those are the words of a guy who already has all the money yeah. he's ever going to need.
2: You only say that when money is no longer an issue That's in your life. That's the point.
1: And if you think your little sitcom yeah. is some big fucking no. art thing where you got to worry about the proportion of your art, you're out of your fucking mind. But Seinfeld, he- don't get me wrong. A great sitcom, yeah. but at the end of the day, just a sitcom. It's a television sitcom. But he's let's strikes, not get nuts. He
2: strikes me as that kind of guy who's like really dedicated to the craft, and like brevity is the soul of wit. So l- that's fine. Get out on a high note, that sort of thing. But don't just tell like,
1: me you passed over your five million dollar per episode payday because of the proportion of how your fucking art worked out with probably your TV did. show. I would not do that. But who does?
2: I don't think the rest of the cast was. You probably think when they when
1: that. he took the job? You think when NBC first offered him Seinfeld when he was desperate. To yeah. have it to be a success, he was like, "Well, it's all see. about the proportion of the art of this." No, he was begging yeah. them to keep the show on the air for another year. But he knew probably
2: how much he was going to make in syndication. Like, money's never going to be an issue for me the rest of my life. No matter what, I can have all these cars that I own.
1: Ugh. It just, it just, it's, I yeah. would. I prefer an honest answer. To him saying, "I didn't want to do it just anymore." Say I'm tired. I of had it. all the money already, yeah. and I just, I wanted to do something else. That for me would be so much more refreshing than. Oh, it's about the art of the fuck, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's television. How much art is on There's television? No art. <laughs> or movies or anything. It's just that's the that is the preeminent position of a guy who has all the money, who can start to think that their shit doesn't stink and that everything they do is somehow artistic. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, very few things in popular culture, television, film, music, you name it art there's not that much that's artistic no. it's just it's commerce it's mostly commerce it's a bunch of monkeys dancing yeah. for people's pleasure right and without that there is no chance to even do art right so that gives so. you the opportunity to do something a little bit better yeah. maybe comedians talking in cars drinking coffee yeah. getting a fill up at the station and also buying a burrito whatever that show he does <laughs> on netflix that is kind of art because there's no commercials yeah. involved it's pure it's 15 minutes long or whatever I can almost go for that.
2: But just say you're tired of it. I right. don't want to
1: do it. I want to do something else. Son of a bitch.
2: Seinfeld. Five million an episode.
1: And while we're talking about television, I've, see, these people would not have the same answer. Michelle Wolf and Joel McHale have just been announced that Netflix canceled both of their talk shows. Really? Yeah, Netflix has been buying into talk shows in a big, bad way. They've been loading up for a bunch of uh, stand-ups, to get their own talk shows, and all of a sudden they've changed their uh, they changed they're their gonna tune. They're going to have to. They've they're been ditching out go. so
2: much money. I don't everybody
1: know. gets a, a stand up special on Netflix. But me, and except for you, of except course, because that one guy hates that you. One guy hates me in charge of Netflix. And uh, and they're giving everybody a show, and now apparently they're starting to pull back. The they break have to. with Michelle Wolf. That was the show that she got after she had all that buzz at the White House Correspondents' Dinner when she was the host. Yeah, Yeah. They were cashing in on that, apparently didn't get enough viewership, and so they cut her loose. And then Joel McHale, who was the star of Soup for so many seasons, yeah. he had a brand new show in there, and they've also canceled that. Uh, they still have Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, as we mentioned. Letterman's show, My Next Guest Needs No inter- Introduction, is still on there. They've got a bunch of new shows coming on this fall as well. Uh, Hassan Nahaj has a show, uh, Norm MacDonald yeah, is having left a show. The Daily Show, I believe. yeah. Jimmy Carr and Catherine Ryan and Deal Hughley all have a show, so there's more stand-up centered comedy segments uh, coming on Netflix. But those quick two hook, folks though.
2: lost their jobs. Quick hook, I think Netflix is going to start having. A quick I guess
1: hook. so. I guess that either you make it or break it. That's that's the way it works. And lastly, this made me laugh so hard. Al Sharpton. you're familiar with the Reverend Al Sharpton, I'm familiar with his work. If you are a, uh, a, a if you are a liberal left-leaning person if you're a person who appreciates um how do i put this in a a non-aggressive way uh if you're if you're a person who leans towards the causes of the underdog the person who
2: the less fortunate in society but
1: also wants to represent uh people of color in a way Reverend Al Sharpton is always a thorn in your side because you're like the guy who says I want to I want to believe in what the guy is yeah. saying. I believe in the same causes he's fighting for, but he's such a tremendous douchebag yeah. that it's hard for me to side with a lot it's of stuff. Hard that for he him to says. be the spokesperson of those causes. That's I guess what I'm trying to say. It's hard to swallow him. Al Sharpton has his own show on MSNBC. He's got a segment on that show where he talks about all things. Liberal and left-leaning, and uh, I'm not a fan of Al Sharpton's. I think he's mostly a blowhard. And it was, it was very funny for me to see this weekend him take on Donald Trump, who called Omarosa a dog because she is now yeah. speaking out against Donald Trump after spending some time in his administration. Yeah. And the Reverend Al Sharpton was trying to say, well, you can't call people dogs and, you know, karma's a bitch and it'll come back to bite you in the ass and this, that and everything. And then he tried to tie it all in together by pulling in a tribute to Aretha Franklin, which I thought was ill-advised and it felt clunky and awkward, even as television. Yeah, leave that alone. But my favorite part was how he summed it all up.
0: But I think you might have learned a
1: lesson this week. Sometimes the dog bites back with a book deal. And while we're talking about female canines, you know what they say about payback? It's a real, well, you, I'm sure you know the word I'm thinking of. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. I I don't know if you caught that, but R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Respect. Respect. For fuck's sake, if um, you're going to make the reach, if you're going to try to shoehorn the late, great Aretha Franklin into a into a political diatribe where she has no business being in, none at least get sense. the goddamn song
2: right. Oh, my lord. I wouldn't even do that. Right? And
1: I'm a moron. And he's Eddie Pence, for God's sakes. He's the king of non-Pence.
2: I make nonsense. Oh, I would not even do that. He knows how to spell I couldn't read a zigzag. And I wouldn't do that.
1: Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. If you're born on this day, August 20th, you share a birthday with Joan Allen, great actress, 62 years old today. James Marsters from Angel and Buffy. And now I think he's on, uh, what's that, iZombie show. He's good on that show. 56 years old. Misha Collins from Supernatural. Funny enough, we're talking to his co-star, Rob Benedict, later on today. 44 years old, Monique Powell of Save Ferris. I know that ska bands have sort of fallen out of favor, but there was a time in the 90s where ska was just... Late uh, 90s, man. It was Everywhere. Huge. And I think Save Ferris with Monique Powell as the lead singer was one of my favorites. Here's a piece of one of my favorite songs from Save Ferris. I my life when I the I the The World is New from Save Ferris. That's a great band. Uh, Andrew Garfield from Amazing Spider-Man. He is 35 years old today. Spider-Man's one of those few roles as a superhero we can age out of it. Yeah, real quick. Like they, real quick. They, they'll move on to somebody quick, younger pretty quick on that. Real quick. Uh, Demi Lovato is 26. Hope she's feeling well. Connie Chung, news reporter, is 72 years old. Ray Wise from Twin Peaks. And Reaper, 71 years old. you know Ray Wise? Did you, were you a your big Twin Peaks fan? I watched Reaper a lot. Oh, uh, He was the devil in yeah, Reaper. Yeah, I loved him. In the, and he was, he was so also good. Laura Palmer's father in Tweety yeah. Peaks. He was so good. John Noble. Speaking of great actors, he was in Fringe. He was so great in that show. that show. Also Lord of the Rings, 70 years old today. Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin is 70. John Hyatt, singer and songwriter, is 66. And today's show, weatherman Al Roker is 64. You know, whenever I think of Al Roker, I always think about that time he shat his pants at the White House. When you have a bypass and you you know your bowel has been reconstructed... And, you think you're pretty safe. And I probably went off uh, and ate something I wasn't supposed to. And as I'm walking to the press room, I, know, I think i got to you know, pass a little gas here. So I'm walking by myself. Who's going to know? Only a little something extra came out. You and pooped know, in your pants. I, I pooped my pants.
3: Yeah, sharted.
1: You know how it is when you shit your pants at the White House. We've all done it. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Now it's time to talk to Rob Benedict from Supernatural. You fans of that show know what he means to you. The fan base for Supernatural is crazy, and yeah. he plays God. Not bad to play God, no, by the a way, cool for all the show. He is a great guy, very talented. Here is the introductory to my conversation with Rob Benedict from Supernatural. Well, this is truly exciting. This is one of the, the guys that I most wanted to get on this show when I started by bringing in celebrity guests because I met Rob through another podcast called Will You Accept This Rose, done by the lovely Arden Marine, who's also been on this show. I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been robbing her of all of her friends. We had uh, Padgett Brewster on, and now we've got Rob Benedict. Rob, thank you so much. Thanks sir. for
3: having me. I'm really, really excited to be here.
1: I knew you a little bit through um, Richard Spate, I guess, is how I met you. I think you guys came over to K-Rock to do uh yeah, we were doing,
3: promotion, maybe, Yeah, for Kings we were doing, of Khan, maybe? That's right, Kings yeah. of Khan. We were doing Kings of Khan, and... Uh, and did the the Kevin and Bean show and and met you, um, yeah. And then, yeah, I feel like, yeah, and our paths kept crossing. I might have, might have seen you at one of the conventions, like one of the Comic Cons downtown. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we were rolling in that same kind of crew. Yes. Um. But yeah, happy. And, and it was fun to you know come on and talk about that. Are you a legit nerd geek guy? Were you into it before Supernatural and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I was always
3: into I mean, I was definitely more of a nerdy kid. You mm-hmm. know, I was a, like a, you know, I got good grades and that kind of thing. at school. <laughs> you know, my brother was a basketball player. He's like six, four. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was always height challenged. And so that wasn't my thing. And I, I went in my, it's funny, my son just started high school and I was like, look, you don't like, be your own person, right? Because right. I came into school and everybody was like, oh, he's going to be an athlete. I, I tried out for the basketball team and I didn't make it. Mm. My brother, like, set, you know, records at the school, so... Oh, man. It yeah. must be intimidating going <laughs> in in that shadow. Exactly. And you're expected to fill those shoes Exactly. So I was like, I'm going to win in, with good grades. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah no. you get, pick your own lane, right? Everybody's got their own <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, not, that was definitely me and always interested in movies and TV and comic books Um yeah, so that was always in, and, and then it's no wonder that I started getting jobs, you know, doing on shows like that that had that kind of following, you know, from Buffy to a show I did called Threshold. Like, sure. You know, those those shows.
1: Well, we will cover all of that, yeah. but let's start back at the beginning. You okay. were a kid
3: in, uh, where was home for you, Missouri? That's right, Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, it's where the university is. Uh, University of Missouri. So it was a, it's, it's a college, kind of a, it's a liberal little town in what is becoming more and more of a very conservative state. Yeah, I
1: was thinking, as it's sort of known as a red state. You wouldn't think there'd yeah. be a big enclave of the
3: arts in there, but no. I guess being near education would do it, exactly. right? Exactly, it's yeah. exactly right. It's like our, our Austin, you know... Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was actually an ideal place to grow up. Right. Uh, there was theater there. There were three colleges there. So I did, uh, th- I, I played like the lead in, in a role at, at the co- local college, not University of Missouri, but there's a place called Stevens College. Had a good theater department. And I played the lead in a, in a show that needed a boy. It's called The Winslow Boy. And that was my first taste of theater. And then I decided that's what I wanted to do, you know. What age was that for you? And that was about 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. Was this something that you had
1: an interest in even as a... As a little kid that you had, yeah. did you watch TV and movies and think, oh, that's something I'd like to do? Or how did, I how did it come up? I don't
3: know if I went that far, but, but my parents were in community theater.
1: Oh, so they were already actors. Yeah.
3: So Well, my dad was. Uh, yeah. My mom like, sold tickets. But my, my, my father was, was doing that kind of thing. And so I was around it a lot. And it definitely got the itch to, you know, to do theater. And then my sister went to Northwestern and was a theater major. So she wanted to be an actress as well. Yeah, and I saw that as a path, and so I kind of followed in her footsteps. And she's older? She's older, yeah. So once you saw her
1: pursuing that legitimately, you, you saw that it was possible, and so we encouraged you.
3: Yeah, she actually came out to L.A., and she got little parts on. She, she had a, a guest star on, uh, on Family Ties. You know, this is all late 80s. Right. And uh, she had guest star on, like, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> and, you know, she did an, an equal commercial. Uh, and so I was like, yeah. Then it legit was like, oh wow, I could do this. This is a job that people have. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, do do, where did you go to school? Northwestern as well. That, and then I followed her, and I went to Northwestern as well. Yeah, that's a great theater school. Yeah, yeah, it was great, and you know, good smart people, and and it's Chicago. Yeah, and, you know, it was a good college experience. Now, when I got out to LA, I felt like I was four years behind the people that came straight out. You know what I mean? Because oh, I, I, I see. stopped and went to college. So I felt like I had catching up to do, because at that time at Northwestern, you had a good theater education, but you didn't know anything about TV and movies. Was there any
1: debating on your part of New York or Los Angeles? Did you toy with the idea of doing theater as opposed to television and film?
3: Yeah, I thought about it. It, At that time, it really was, you either stayed in Chicago and did theater there, or you went to New York, you went to LA. And my sister was here, and, and I really had more of a desire to find out more about TV and movies um and so that's where I went and uh and I and I thought well if I don't like it then I'll go to New York but I I stayed you know
1: having a father who was an actor Mm -hmm. at least on some level did that was it easier to negotiate that parental child contract about whether you're going to do that as a profession or not because I know my own parents when I got into when I told them I wanted to get in the entertainment business they were concerned, as parents are, because you want your kids to be able to succeed. Was it easier for you because your dad
3: already knew something about that world, and was he encouraging of it? Yeah, you know, it was tricky with me because my father left home when I was like 12. Oh, I see. So, and, you know, from afar, he was sort of saying, like, you should be a lawyer, you should be, because you're a smart kid, you should do this If
1: you're a kid who's getting good
3: grades, a lot of times the parents think, well, your future is sort of unlimited, you can get any profession that you want. And so I kind of was rebelling by sticking with it. Because um, he, you know, kind of wanted me to to not not do this as mm. a career, but do you know, be like a lawyer. And my mom was kind of in shell shock from my dad having left. Right. So I kind of it was like uh, through high school, kind of on my own in terms of choosing my career and so you know choosing where I wanted to go and my path should be. And so mm. I kind of stuck to it even more, just be, you know, just to just rebel against him. I think at the time, so it was it was weird. It was like yeah, I did have that going for me, but at that time it was my family was in in kind of a mess. Right. And so, um, theater became, you know, to be an actor became a rebellious move, but then just sticking with the theater became my, you know, my, my home away from home. My, you know, that's what I sort of disappeared into is doing stuff. I did a lot of theater when I was in high school and,
1: it is solace, I think, for yeah. a lot of kids who maybe have stuff going on in their lives where they can go and pretend to be somebody else exactly. and kind of leave their
3: bodies for a minute, you know, and go yeah. off
1: and do something else.
3: Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It really is. And there's something, too, about like putting on a show with a group of people. Can't beat it. It, it really is. It's it's just the smell of the theater. And, and, you know, my kids go to this acting camp in the summer here uh, called Yada, and it's it's they don't want to be actors. They have no desire to be actors. Mm. But they like putting on a show with other people. That's what's fun about it. You a camp for like two weeks and you learn how to put on a show, you put on a show.
1: I've said this before, but that energy of everyone using whatever their unique talents are and focusing in on the same project, be it a film or a play or whatever you're putting on, there's something about that group dynamic that you can't. Yeah. capture in any other way i guess team sports maybe it's like that exactly. as well but there's just something about that energy of everyone working together that it, that it's addictive it really is you, you start becoming you know dependent on it i
3: think yeah yeah i i went uh is that me that's me no it's me right here um i went to uh so i was so when i was in high school you know my brother was like set these records for three-point shots <laughs> and i want and i tried to get i wanted a leather jacket a uh, letter jacket so sure, i yeah. i um i i tried to get uh, a, like a letter for act i wanted to get a letter for actors <laughs> cuz i was competing in the speech tournaments did you do that speech i did debate and speech sure, yeah, yeah right so i did you know i was doing forensics
1: i think they called it back in the day right so
3: there. we did i did like humorous monologues oh, in right. those yeah, tournaments sure. right and I would, you know, I'd go to state doing my humorous monologue whatever. And I wanted a letter for it. Yeah, I wanted a letter jacket. I didn't win that battle. I thought it would be great to have a letter jacket for actors and have the little happy, sad faces. Sure, right.
0: <laughs> The masks of comedy and
1: tragedy on. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that should be a thing. That doesn't so cool. that. <laughs> no, it doesn't get nerdier than that.
3: doesn't. Let's say like a Dungeons and Dragons jacket or something <laughs> like that. Amazing. yeah with a 12-sided die <laughs> as the pin <laughs> um yeah so i um yeah but i didn't win that so i ended up uh i ended up. they made me manager of the basketball team and i i got a letter you got jacket. your letterman's jacket That's but I, hilarious. so they give you the pins to put on what sport you letter in so i got a pin that had a basketball and the next one i had a pin that said mngr oh no
1: <laughs> i would have lost that pin yeah, before yeah. putting that
3: we on did, the jacket didn't have a lot of girlfriends i can hospital.
1: imagine yeah <laughs> That's it for today. More Rob Benedict tomorrow. Also, my kid will be stopping by with a review of the movie The Little Mermaid. Not that one. The new one. (laughs) The other one. Also, more Eddie Pence, more me, more showbiz news, more of what you love on the Ralph Report. Come on back tomorrow, won't you? Because I love you. I mean it. Bye.